Well, I wanted to take us back to a theme we consider er, considered earlier in our series on preparing for the last days. And we've read probably several times now what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 6. You know, we read about how we're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, but he said, see that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And there's other translations that that put this phrase as, as don't be alarmed, don't be afraid. Uh, and we kind of, we considered that concept of fear that, you know, we're, we were commanded in Isaiah, you know, don't be afraid of what they are. Don't fear what they fear. That was in Isaiah 8. But we're to walk in the fear of the Lord and then he'll be a sanctuary to us. But yet in that, we recognize that even with when God is with us, we're going to face situations that have the potential to be fearful, right? That, or maybe you could say that where we will have to face fear and overcome. And it takes great courage to walk in that kind of a pathway, to face those situations. And I wanted to consider an example in Scripture, and you know, I wanted to consider Esther. You know, Esther is a really wonderful picture of the church of the last days. You know, she was chosen for such a time as this. Now, that can kind of refer to any, any of us, like God chooses us for a specific time to do something specific in our lives, and he's raising up a glorious church for a specific time in history when he is going to pour out his spirit upon the earth and then glorify her and she'll rise up to meet him at the end. But, you know, Esther was prepared and ready. She was a beautiful bride who became salvation for her people. And so she's, perhaps you could look at her as a type of the, the laborer God is looking for in the last days to take part in the great last day harvest and to be a part of his church becoming glorious and bringing salvation to the earth. But I, I want to consider her uh, a part of her story at the very beginning, something I hadn't really considered before. And I want us to try and put ourselves in her shoes, if we could, you know, so to speak, to, to kind of think about her beginning. Because she was just a young Jewish girl who was probably born in captivity. And there she is. Um, she kind of had a tragic upbringing in the sense, you know, being born, other than being born in a strange land, we know that she lost her father and mother and she had to be raised by her uncle Mordecai. And, you know, with all of that tragedy, she, perhaps she thought, well, you know, maybe I can marry a nice Jewish boy and settle down and have a regular family. But we know that wasn't to be for her, was it? Because, you know, reading the backstory with what took place with Vashti and how she dishonored the king by not showing up to the feast. And then she was put aside. She could no longer be queen. And, um, and another queen is sought for. And then let's read these verses in Esther 2 and verse 8. And it says, So it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and, when, and this is where he makes the decree to, to let's search for a new queen. And, it, and he says, When many maidens were gathered together, under, under Shushan the palace to the custody of Haggai, 
that Esther was brought also to the king's house to the custody of, of Haggai, a keeper of the women, and the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him, and he speedily gave her things for her pur- for purification. You know, sometimes we look at this and we kind of can consider this part of the story as like like a beauty contest. You know, like, well, they all the best and most beautiful women in the land signed up to to be queen and and so forth, but, um, you know, invited to appear before the king. But when you look into the original language, many commentators have said that that this phrase, that the many maidens were gathered in the Hebrew, it actually means taken by force. It's it's more that his soldiers were sent out, and if there was, a, if they heard about some beautiful girl in the land, they didn't ask. They just said, we're taking her to the palace. You know, and so... Basically, they kind of just showed up, and so there, here is Esther, this young Jewish girl, and you know, not in the best class, so to speak, of her her family lineage, and that that was kept a secret by Mordecai. But yet, here she is. That would be a, a scary proposition if you were in her shoes, thinking of what now? I've been taken from my family, taken from my future, and now it's very uncertain. And she knew that no matter what the king's choice was, her life was going to be different after that. It would never be the same. How did she react? Well, we know from the end of the story, as we read it, that she was able to face the situation and somehow see it from God's perspective. Trust God. Set her heart upon him. And in that situation, the Chamberlain and the kings only saw her beauty. They saw someone who was beautiful. And, and in, in interpreting that, you know, kind of thinking about that, someone at peace, at rest, someone pleasant to be around. And she became a queen. And she became an, God's instrument in saving her people. And the thought I really want to bring out here that kind of relates to believers in the church and preparing for the last days, is the type of situation that Esther had to face. It was a fearful one. It was uncertain. It was maybe even alarming for the soldiers to show up and say, you're coming with us and you might not be coming back. You, know, you, don't, you never know. Yet in it, she faced it. She overcame. She displayed, displayed confidence. She displayed beauty. She had great courage to face her situation. And that's kind of what I wanted to key in, that thought of courage. You know, she was courageous to face that situation and to trust God and to overcome and allow God to use her. And this thought of courage is so vital as we're following God and, you know, walking on his pathway and accepting the situations that come to us. You know, we have to possess courage in order to be led by God into our promised land of whatever he wants to do. You know, we can kind of see this from the life of Joshua, right? When you think of the word courage and you try to associate that with anyone in scripture, don't you think of Joshua? We think about it because it was said so much, uh, not necessarily about him, but to him. <laughs> Where <laughs> the Lord was saying, Joshua, courage, that's what you need. You know, but Joshua, he was a faithful servant to Moses. 
He, he stuck with Moses for all the 40 years. Um, we know he went into as one of the 12 spies and he was faithful to give a good report. But now at the end, as we're about to cross into the promised land, Joshua is going to take charge and lead Israel into the land. But, you know, they were going to have to face some hard battles, some big giants. Um, he had seen them himself, where he knew exactly what they were going to face. And so the Lord told Moses to give a charge to Joshua. And he said this in Deuteronomy 31 and 23. It says, He gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, I will give it to you. Be strong and of good courage. Now we realize this is significant for Joshua, not just because of this verse, but because I, I counted them up. There's actually seven verses where this was said directly to Joshua, not just of him, but to him, where he received this charge. I mean, the man who would lead Israel into the promised land was charged seven times, be strong and of good courage. He had to have a courageous heart. And as I mentioned, each of us has our promised land. What, what God would do in our lives and use us in or call us to do or, or maybe just the pathway to follow him in and be faithful in that. To hear from him, to bear much fruit. And so we too must heed the call, be strong and of good courage, especially in the days we're living in and we're coming into because we're going to have some enemies to face and we're going to have some battles to fight and we are called to overcome as we have considered in past weeks. Now, there's two thoughts I just I want to look at with you concerning this concept of courage. And I, I feel like they're kind of key because sometimes you, you can have a concept based on our, our, maybe our understanding in society of what courage means, you know, that we, we're someone who's not afraid of battles or fights or anything, you know, from scripture, that's not necessarily the case. And especially when we look at Joshua and, and how God was leading him. And so I wanted to look at the thought with you, maybe we could call it true courage from God's perspective of what God is calling us to, how he's calling us to follow him. And, and so the first thought is the perspective of courage the perspective of courage. You know, we can relate this to back to Esther. We know Esther was courageous, even though she was a young girl. It, and even though it doesn't tell us specifically she displayed courage, we can kind of read between the lines and see, you know, she was courageous to obey God and trust God in a very scary situation. She was able, and, and here's what it comes down to, she was able to see God in that situation. She was able to see God's hand leading her and moving her. And she accepted that and she trusted that God was going to lead her. It takes a lot of courage just to accept the pathway God leads us in. We have to have courage in the last days as God leads us in many different pathways Let's consider another count in Scripture. 
in 2 Chronicles 32, this is the story of Hezekiah. Remember when the Assyrian army was surrounding Jerusalem and it was a huge army, thousands of soldiers, and they had cut them off from the outside world probably for many months. And the people in the city were just looking over the walls at that army, wondering what's going to happen. You know, what, what are we going to do? And the king made a proclamation. He said this to the people. And, and we can read this in 2 Chronicles 32, verse 7. The king was saying to the people, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid or dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that's with him. For there be more with us than there be with them. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. And I love what it says after this. And it says, the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Maybe that's even a part of the definition of courage that we can add to it. You see, the people received the words of Joshua as God's perspective. They took courage in that, and in doing so, they stood in that. And not just that, but they rested. They rested. That means they just fully placed their trust in the words that Hezekiah gave them. And that made them a courageous people. I mean, anyone who's able to rest when they're surrounded fully by thousands of people out intent to kill them, I'd, I'd call them courageous. You see, but they, they weren't looking with their natural eyes. They refused to believe the things that they saw with their eyes, and instead they believed through of what God was speaking to them through the king, and they rested themselves in that. You see, Hezekiah shared that different perspective. Don't be afraid because there's more with us than there is of them. You know, what did that mean? It didn't mean there was more people in Jerusalem because that wasn't necessarily the case, especially those who could fight. He wasn't just thinking of, of natural soldiers. He was thinking of heaven's soldiers, heaven's army. There was a heavenly army on their side. And when the people considered that, they rested in it. And they, were, they became a courageous people. You see, there's the perspective of courage that, that we, it's so vital that we have. You know, courage is not just, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be a, a, a strong person. That, that It goes beyond that. You see, we have to limit ourselves from viewing what we just see in the natural because that's overwhelming. We, we won't win if we rely upon our natural understanding, our natural senses. But when we look from heaven's perspective, that's when we can receive courage and take courage and rest in his words. Another event that's closely related to this in, in the concept, 2 Kings chapter 6. Here's another army surrounding an Israelite city. Um, this was the city of Dothan. And the Syrians this time were surrounding this city. And in that city was the prophet Elisha. And they woke up. And it must have been a surprise because Elisha's servant says he gets up in the morning and he, you know, he gets up and he's surprised. Whoa, where did these guys come from? And they were just surrounded. 
And he goes to his master and he says, Master, what are we going to do? You kind of get the sense he was a little overwhelmed by what he saw. He'd all, he, I think he had already drawn his conclusions for what the outcome was going to be. You know, we're in trouble, Master. I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. Maybe they'd been through some scrapes before, but now he's like, well, <laughs> did we come to the end here? But look at Elisha's response. In, in 2 Kings 6 and verse 16, Elisha gave a simple one-sentence response. He said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And that's something, you know, it's, it, he probably maybe even thought, well, yeah, okay, that's the same reply that Hezekiah gave, and that turned out to be okay. But God, he went even further here, right? Because uh, maybe this servant needed a little more than just a, an encouraging word or perspective um, because then he prayed. And he said, uh, and this is in verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. Let him see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Round about Elisha. They were, that was, I don't know if that was Elisha's guard, <laughs> the army surrounding him. But when that servant's eyes were opened, then he, he saw it. He had courage then. You know, I wonder how many situations they're going to be like this in the last days. You know, when in the natural, it's going to be so overwhelming. It'll appear so overwhelming for the people of God. You know, it might seem like the whole world at, at one point is going to be gathered against the people of God and, you know, actively pursuing them or coming against them. But there will be those with the perspective of Elisha. They see the real situation. And that's something it's so vital that we have. Lord, give us your perspective. When we have his perspective, that's when we can truly be courageous. And it's not something we're producing. It's not just because we're some special person that we're braver than anyone else. It's because Lord God gave us his perspective and we take courage from it. And then we can, we can overcome. We can go forward. At one moment, the servant was full of the fear of the enemy, but then his eyes were opened and he had courage because he, had, he was seeing it through God's eyes. And so our perspective in the situation is so important. Our mind and our way of thinking is anti-courage because it's against the, the things of God, right? You know, discouragement is against the things of God, but when we get the right perspective... And sometimes we can feel very alone in a spiritual trial or a battle. And our perspective needs to be, or we need to obtain from God the perspective. There's more that is with me than is against me. God, if God be for us, who can be against us? You know, there's more grace. There's more faith. There's more, more hope. There's more strength. There's much more available to us if we can tap into the perspective of heaven. We have to cry out to the Lord to get it. You know, Lord, help me. Help me to see through your eyes. Help me to trust in you. Help me to see you in this situation. I wonder if, if Esther was praying something along that prayer when she was the night she was taken into the, the palace of the king to be a part of this process. Lord, 
I hope you're in this. But I think she met the Lord and found that he was in it. But there's a second aspect I want to consider, right? And so we have the perspective of courage, but then we also need to understand what is the purpose of courage? Why do we need to have courage? Uh, because sometimes we can, we can look at it maybe a little bit the wrong way for why we're to have it. And, you know, maybe I, I think this is going to be a problem even in the last days for what people are going to be courageous towards. Maybe they think, but, well, I need to fight in the natural. And they think, well, I'm going to have courage to fight in the natural. Well, we don't want to make that mistake. You know, I wanted to look actually at the definition. I know it's kind of funny now that we're almost to the end. But the definition of courage from Webster's is a quality of mind that enables people to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness. It's valor or boldness, fortitude. And it, the, it's implying a patience to, to endure and to bear a difficult situation. And so courage is a quality of mind, and I think you could say spirit, that faces difficulty and responds with a resolution to do what needs to be done, to do what's required of us. And, and so courage really enables us to do what needs to be done. And I don't think courage means someone who is in perfect peace, who doesn't have any fear um, or concern. You know, sometimes, well, I think pretty much all the time, courage is really facing that fear and dealing with it, but not giving into it and continuing on. You know, growing up, one of the prime examples that I saw before me was in World War II and, you know, the, the soldiers who went into battle, um, you know, you watch movies of them or documentaries and, and you'd see them going on, on D-Day. You'd see pictures of them going in and um, jumping out of planes into the dark to face an enemy. And I think that when you would like watch interviews, I don't think I ever saw an interview with someone said, I wasn't scared, you know, almost to a, to a person. They said, yeah, I was scared, but it had to be done. Someone had to do it. And I think that's a good definition of courage. You know, they were able to overcome the fear and to fight because they knew it had to be done. Someone had to fight against what was taking place. And to stop that, and you know, because of their courage, the world is a better place for it. Now, for a believer, we also need courage, but it's for a specific purpose. In reality, it's not just to face our enemies. And sometimes we think that's what God was saying to, to uh, Joshua. You know, Joshua, you need courage because of the giants. Well, did he say that? Actually, let's, let's look at it and let's see exactly what was he saying to Joshua, why he needed courage. Well, in Joshua 1 and verse 7, it says, the, you know, speaking to him, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Turn not from it to the right or to the left, that you will prosper wherever you go. 
That, that's a little different perspective. God wasn't saying, Joshua, you're going to face some big giants. Be courageous. He was saying, Joshua, you're going to have to lead this people. Lead them according to the law and be courageous to uphold it. And don't go to the right or to the left, but follow the law. Uphold my ways. That's, that's a pretty different perspective, but it's something that we so vitally need. And so the Lord commanded Moses or commanded Moses to say this seven times to Joshua, or this was said seven times to Joshua, to be strong and courageous. But it was to be to lead the people according to God's law, to follow God's law. And so ultimately, courage is doing what is right in God's sight. That's what we need courage to do. And, and so often there's situations where doing what's right in God's sight has a cost, especially in the eyes of other people. And to follow God, you know, it's in, it's in our mind. Well, what, what are people going to think if I obey God in this area? Or what are people going to say or so forth? Or what's going to be the result? True courage is saying, Lord, I, I just want to do your will. I want to do what's right in your sight. God's saying that is true courage. David told this to his son Solomon. And I wish he had, he had really listened, but um, in 1 Chronicles 22, it says then, and verse 13, it says, then you'll prosper if you take heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments with the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. Now Solomon was, was warned he needed some courage to do what's right, just as the Lord said to Moses, and maybe you could say just as Moses said to Joshua. You know, Solomon was being told, have courage to do what's right in my sight. Unfortunately, he didn't develop that, and he did whatever was right in his own eyes. You know, the world does have, a, have their idea and, of right and wrong, and I think you can summarize it with the one of the last book, uh, verses in the book of Judges. It says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That, when it comes down to it, that's the world's definition of good. It's whatever is good for me at the moment of what I want. But, you know, when Israel did that, it always led to bondage, didn't it? When it, it was just one cycle after another of, of bondage. But what set them free was when they got on the right track and they said, okay, Lord, we're sorry. We'll, we'll focus on you. We'll do what you want. And then a deliverer was risen up and they were set free for a time and then it was a cycle. But, but, you know, it takes courage to face that situation and do what's right in God's sight. And so we have this thought in the last days, who will have courage to stand for the Lord? In reality, it's not just the last days, but it's in our in our lives. And the question is being asked, who will have courage to stand? Part of that is, you know, being like Esther. Is having courage to stand in a in maybe a fearful situation, but being able to obtain God's perspective, to see his plan and, and his purpose, to see that we were brought to wherever we are in our lives for such a time as this 
to follow God, to obey Him, to walk in His way. Maybe like Elisha, God wants to show us there's more for us than there is against us. And I think we'll appreciate that more and more in the last days as, as it seems like there's more against us than are for us, but yet we can trust God that that's not the case. It's the opposite. And then it will be also those who see what God has called them to do and they have the courage to do it. The courage to obey God, to walk in that pathway. It takes courage to let go of our own way. That's kind of like, like it says of Peter, he had to launch out into the deep and to obey God, to cast out that net and bring in the harvest of fish. It takes courage to obey, but when we do that, he'll bring us into the land and he'll give it to us. I think Joshua said it best. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is true courage. And that's the courage Jesus is calling upon us to have in these last days as we walk with him. And Father, we just thank you for the courage that your son Jesus had to go to the cross. And Lord, we pray that we might walk in that same courage. Lord, help us to see with your perspective. Lord, help us to ignore what we see in the natural. And Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes of faith to see with your eyes. Lord, to see from your from your position, oh God. Even help us to sit with you in heavenly places and to, to come to that place of trust. Lord, like the people did under Hezekiah, they rested in that word. Help us to have that come into that place of resting in you. And that, Lord, you'll give us courage to obey, courage to do what you're asking of us to do in this time, in this hour, in this season. Oh Lord, make us strong and courageous. Lord, that we will enter into the land and that you could give it to us. Lord, help us to, to make that our cry with Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.